Yeah, and I've got to preach after that. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. I was like, maybe I'll just leave. You won't notice. I'll just be in the car starting it. <laughs> All right. Isn't it good, though? Church is exciting. I just got a text from, uh, from Aunt Ingrid in Texas. They were watching, and they said that uh, during I Exalt Thee, the anointing was so strong that her and her husband were both got glued to their chairs. So all the way in Texas. So aunt, awesome. So it doesn't matter where you are, you tune your heart into what God's doing and you can experience it anywhere. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's start with the scripture reading this morning. We're going to read from Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, and we'll put it up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible this morning. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, and this is Jesus talking. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? For everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed immediately, and the ruin of that house was great. You know, if you look back in the same chapter, verse 20, you see that Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, in those days, he's not just talking to the 12 when it says his disciples. He had many disciples. We don't quite understand that terminology, but back then, disciples were people who decided to follow a rabbi, a certain teacher, and they would basically live and breathe those teachers, that teacher's instructions, everything about them. They would become like mini that person, okay? So it's an important thing, and they would call them master or rabbi or teacher. So when Jesus is talking to them and say, listen, why are you calling me teacher and not doing what I say? They understood that. It was a rebuke because they knew they were supposed to be like mini Jesuses following him around. So he's like, listen, you're not doing what I say. Jesus is trying to tell us in today's world, the instructions he gives us, they're not just for quotes to post on your fridge. That they're actually supposed to be used for foundations to live by. And he's giving you two examples. He's like, listen, I'm going to let you know what happens if you don't build your life on my foundation. This is what's going to happen. There's a storm going to come. Everybody is building something all day. We're all building. Whether you're building your life, whether you're building a family, whether you're building a business, each of us are building, regardless of what you think, every day you're building something. Some of you, it's a house. Some of you are building a castle. Some of you are building a skyscraper. It just depends on your faith in God and how you see yourself through God's eyes, depending on what you will build. But how can we know for sure that what we build will stand? Because as Jesus said, look, there's a storm coming. And I don't think I have to tell you if you've lived for like a minute, you've probably experienced some kind of storm of life. There come. We live in a fallen world, newsflash, not heaven. So you can expect a storm. Every day I don't have a storm. I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful day. <laughs> Grateful, right? So there's a storm coming. There are always storms coming. But Jesus said, look, there's a way that you don't have to go under. There's a way that when the storm comes, you don't have to be demolished. You don't have to go, what just happened? You can prevail. So how do we do that? He says, look, it has to do with your foundation. Now, when I used to read the story, Foundation, I used to think of when I grew up 
we grew up in South Africa, and um, in South Africa, they build the houses out of brick. Not like in America, these like wood, I don't know what this is stuff, you know? But in South Africa, I remember them, when we built our house, them digging their fo the foundation, and that's always used to what I used to think about, but those foundations are not very deep, you know? It's a couple of feet. But when, a few years ago in 2017, uh, I traveled with my parents, we were going to South Africa to minister, and we went through Dubai, and we spent a few days in Dubai. And we got to go and see and go up the tallest building in the world. It's called the Burj Khalifa. We'll put a picture up for me. I actually took that picture. We were visiting. We had friends that lived there. I took that from her car window with my camera. Like a cell phone. I know, with my cell phone. The Burj Khalifa stands 2,700 feet high. I think we've got another picture. It shows you a little bit differently. Uh, you can see the comparison. It's just over half a mile high. Yeah, it's tall, huh? We'll leave that up there for a minute. The foundation for this building was dug 164 feet deep. Okay, for those of you that are like me, it was like, what does that mean? Um, it's around 14 stories underground. They used concrete weighing over 110,000 tons and steel rebar weighing 390,000 tons to secure it. So they had to be sure that what they wanted to build on the top, that the bottom would hold it. The, do you know the Burj Khalifa took six years to build, but one whole year was spent on just the foundation. One whole year. And yet the funny thing is when I look at most people's lives, they don't want to spend any time on the foundation. Because the foundation is the boring part. It's the part nobody sees. What are you doing with your life? What's going on? I don't see anything. What, what's happening? It's the boring part. Everybody just wants to focus on the part everybody's going to see. Da, 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 da. The success, the big pretty house, the goal. Like, I just want to see that part. But see, they don't want to put the thought into the foundation. And that's what the second man in the story did. He was unwise because he just wanted the finished product. Let's just get to it. Let's just see the goal finished. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just start it. And he built his house in the sand. And I think the sand could represent, I don't know, our ever-evolving culture. <laughs> you know, the trends of the time, the demands of society. Oh, you should do this, you should do this. Whatever the narrative is that they're pushing at the moment that you're supposed to confine to. Or maybe it's the traditions of your family that you're building your life on. This is just the way my family did it. All of these things move. It's just, you know, a lot of people, there's the saying now, just do what makes you happy. Build on what makes you happy. Ooh, that'll get you in a lot of trouble. Ooh, okay, you know what I'm saying? Just, 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 people say stuff. I'm like, just, just go with that thought for a moment and see where that takes you. And you're going to pull that right back. But that's it. Hey, five quick steps to being a millionaire for You're laughing because you know you did it, right? You know, I know, I'll check your bank statement. I'll be like, let me see, there it is. But Jesus, in contrast, is saying, no, 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 no. Build your house on me. Build it on my teachings. That is what it means to build it on the rock. See, God is saying, he doesn't want, he, he, God is saying to you, look, build your life on my truths, on my principles, on my promises. Don't build them on trends or traditions or TikTok videos. Build it on the rock. So what does that look like? 
Well, he says that it starts with hearing the word. So for, the, for those of you that, that don't like to read and have a hard time reading the Bible, you know there's apps now that read the Bible for you out loud. Some of them even have like sound effects. It's pretty cool if you've ever, you know, it's like, in the beginning, you know. You're like, what's happening? God, you know. So there's no excuse for not reading the Bible because you can literally listen to it now. So get the app, listen to the Bible. And the reason why it's so important is because you have to know what Jesus said. How can you put something into practice if you don't know what you're supposed to be putting into practice? How can you believe for a promise that you, doesn't, that you don't know exists? How are you going to know when to fight or when to flee? Yes, the Bible actually gives instructions on when to run. Flee from temptation. Not stay around and have a chat with it. See, you're going to need to know, which one do I fight? Which one do I flee from? You're not going to know unless you read the Bible. Ignorance is actually not a defense. You know that, that guy that stands before the judge? Uh, yes, Your Honor, I know they got hurt because I was texting while I was driving. I know they got really badly hurt, but I, I didn't know it was illegal. The judge is going to say, um, the minute you got behind the wheel, it was actually your responsibility to know what the law said. And unfortunately, even though you are my kid, my child, I cannot withhold punishment from you. I cannot actually change the law because of your ignorance. Unfortunately, there's consequences. And see, people think that's how they're going to be with God. Well, I'll just stand before God and be like, well, I didn't know. Like... You can't help me. I mean, I didn't know. God's like, what are you doing in heaven early? You're not supposed to be up here. Well, I, I, I didn't know you offered protection. I didn't know I was supposed to believe for the healing. Yeah, you're up here like way early. Because you didn't read the Bible. You didn't even know what he promised, what he offered. You think he's just going to sovereignly move in your life because he's God? No, he has his own law to follow. He has his own rules. And he said, listen, I've left a guidebook for you. It had all these principles in it. He had, there was some guidance in it, some things not to do, some things to believe me for, some things to follow through. But people, they don't read it. And this is a big reason why there are so many people following false religions today. Do you know that some of the biggest religions that are out there right now, some of the top four, of false religions. What does that mean? They are pre preaching another Jesus. The gospel says, if they preach another Jesus, run from them, get away from them. Another Jesus means it's not the same Jesus that can save you. And if you follow that gospel, you will end up in hell. And the reason is, is because they didn't actually open the Bible and read it for themselves. Because when you read the Bible for yourself and then you come to church and you hear the word being spoken, your spirit goes, ooh, that's it. That's truth right there. See that? That's truth. Ooh, yeah, believe that. Go with that. Run with that. Ooh, you're going to have to make some changes, but that's still the word. But if you don't know what the word says, then your rabbi or your preacher or your priest or your whatever it is, your, whatever those, those words are, they call your shaman, you know, Whatever it is at the time that's preaching to you, you're just going to accept it as truth because you don't know what the truth actually says. And see, that's not on God. That's on you. 
I mean to the people watching, not you guys, okay? To them. I know none of you don't read your Bible, okay? So I'm just preaching to the, I'm preaching to the future people out there listening in somewhere in another country that we're going to get to. No, I'm kidding. All right. It's important, though, to read it. So what does it mean to, to dig deep to lay the foundation? Because he says dig deep. Lay your foundation on the rock. What does it mean to dig deep? Well, when you hear the word, whether you read it or whether you come to church and you hear a sermon or you're reading it or you hear a message like today, then what you have to do is you have to meditate on that word. Whatever you read that morning or whatever you heard in the sermon, then you meditate on it. Now, I know the world hijacked that word, okay? So half of you are like, what did she just say? Did she say meditate? Am I in a new age church? Folks, the Bible uses the word meditate over 40 times in scriptures. And the Bible was written over 2,000 years ago, so we said it first. The devil it can't create anything to save his life. He only takes what God already did and twists it. So whenever you see something, don't be like, oh my gosh, they've come up with meditation. No, we did it first. Okay, they've just perverted it in something else. Learn what it's supposed to be for, because if God created it, it's important. So what you do in the meditation is you hear the word. Like today, okay, I've got to dig my foundation. What does that mean? And I ponder on that word. I think about it. Do you know that you meditate every day? Most of you meditate all day long. No, I'm telling you, whether you're daydreaming about something or whether you replay re a problem in your head over and over or a conversation over and over and over and over in your head or a situation you have to deal with, what you're doing is you're meditating on that problem. So you're meditating. You just have to switch what you're meditating on and decide, I'm going to meditate on what God's word said. Okay. All right, God, I'm going to meditate. I believe that you said that you want me to be out of debt. You want me to be financially free so that I can be a channel for you. Wow, out of debt. What does that look like, God? And I begin to use my imagination. And I begin to imagine being able to give in the offering, God blessing me and increase that work so I can get financially free, so I can get out of this hole, so I can become a channel for the kingdom and I can start giving in time. And I use my imagination in line with what God is saying, and I'm meditating, and what happens is your soul begins to believe the word, and now faith is born in you. That's what faith is. Faith is when you're aligned inside, and you be, you, you're attached to what the word is saying, and you believe it. Now you're like expecting it. Like any minute now, you're expecting that raise at work, because now your faith is attached to what you read. It's not just some scripture, or it's not just some sermon you heard, and it went one, in, one ear out the other ear. So as you're hearing the word of God and it hits your heart and it hits your spirit, it becomes inspiration in you, that inspired word. Now what you've got to do is you've got to get it to your feet and make it become application. And you've got to walk it out in revelation. How many Asians has she got? I had all Saturday off to prepare, so I got more of those coming. No, I'm kidding. See, this is what the wise man did in the story. This is what the wise man did. And we all want to be wise, right? Well, just them, this side, and they're like, I don't care. <laughs> what else you got? No. Uh, you want to be wise. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is the application of the knowledge. You know, years ago, I'm not going to give the whole backstory of where I was and, and how I ended up there, but um, there was a homeless gentleman, and we ended up in a conversation, and he was not on drugs and he wasn't uh, needing, he wasn't alcohol, he was sober, but nonetheless still homeless. And so we began to talk and I began to share about Jesus to him. 
and share the love of God. And he starts coming back with all these scriptures. And we're talking, talking. I'm like, this guy knows about as much of the Bible as I do. Have you ever had that experience? And you're like, ah, I'm having a disconnect here. Like, you know so much of the Bible, but you're still on the streets? This many years later, it's not because of drugs and alcohol, you're still in this condition? Because he never actually applied what he heard. What he heard was head knowledge. He didn't actually believe it. Because if you believed what God says, you would know that is not God's best for you. That is not where God wants you. You know why? Because when you're on the streets, you're only looking inwardly. And God's kingdom is about looking outwardly. You are selfish. Any person, and I'm not just talking about certain people, I'm talking about any person that is still inwardly looking and not outwardly looking, that's not the spirit of God. Because if you see God's kingdom, God says, look, I want to bless you financially so you can get out of debt. Not just so you can buy a bigger house and a better car. I want you to be out of debt so that you can give to things when there's a need. Oh, there's cameras that they need. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm on that. Or if somebody's in the church and you look over and, you, and the Lord says they need gas money, you just walk right up and be like, here you go. Because you don't need the gas money. Do you understand? It's okay to be in need. We all go through valleys. We go through hard times. We go through these things. And it's okay. I'm not saying, oh, you can't ever have a bad day. You're going to have a bad day. Storms are going to come. But the goal is to get out of there to realize that God has got, I need to be able to look outwardly. I can't stay in the condition I'm in because God has got something for me to do. You've got to be able to apply it. And see, if you don't apply what you hear, it's just theory. It's just a theory. I've said this before, that theory only becomes truth when tested. So let me show you what that looks like. What does it mean to, to become truth? Well, in the Greek, you know, the, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. So there's oftentimes a word that has multiple meanings. For instance, the word, when you talk about the word of God, people say that terminology, the word of God, they, it actually has two meanings in the Greek. There's logos and rhema. And if you understand these differences, it'll help you experience God on a deeper level. So let me show you. Logos means the inspired word of God. When you're reading your Bible, that's the logos. That is all inspired, but it's the written word of God you're reading. Then you have the rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So let's say, for instance, you are... In your daily devotional, you're busy reading the book of Philippians, okay? Great book. You're reading it during the day. You're thinking on some of the scriptures that you read. And then something happens at work. And man, it, it, it's like that takes your legs out from underneath you. It's a bad scenario. You, you're like, what are we going to do? The stress, the anxiety rises up in you. You, you don't get any sleep that night because you're so worried about it. You can't think about anything else. You're, you're stressed. And then you're on the brink of tears when the Holy Spirit quickens a scripture to you, one that you'd read the other day, Philippians 4 verse 6. And the scripture says, and he says to you in your spirit, he quickens it and says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, what happens is that word hits your heart like rhema, like the spoken word of God, like God himself whispering this word to you. This is what you need to do in this situation right now. And you're like, oh, okay, what does that mean? Okay. And you just go, God, 
I have this problem. This is what's going on, but I'm going to give it to you. I believe you can make a way where there seems to be no way that you can shine favor on this situation. So God, I give it to you. I don't have the answer, but I know you do. So God, here it is. And now with Thanksgiving, okay, God, I thank you. I thank you for helping me. I thank you that you're a good father, that you've got this, that you've got this. I thank you, Jesus, for always coming through for me. I give it to you. And you take a breath and here comes the peace of God. And you're sitting there and you're like, what just happened? Like your heart is at peace. You're like, oh, I can go to sleep. I'm at peace. And your mind is going to be like, no, you can't. Don't go to sleep. We need to worry about this. We need to call somebody. Let's talk about this. And you're like, uh-uh, God's got this. I'm going to go to sleep. And your brain's like, stop it. No, let's, because it goes beyond your understanding. The peace is beyond your understanding. So your understanding still wants to be like, let's worry about this. Let's tell somebody. Let's get on Instagram. Let's post it. Some, no, and you shh, zip it. We're going to sleep. Now, what just happened is that word became revelation to you. You walked it out in application. And what you did is you dug your foundation a little bit deeper. So next time as you're building your castle and you see a wave coming in the distance and you're like, ooh, that looks like trouble. What you remember is, oh, wait a minute. I remember what to do in, in, in trouble. I'm just going to take this problem now to the Lord by praying, petition and thanksgiving and the peace of God will be mine. Boom. That wave that's supposed to have impact doesn't have any impact on you because your foundation was already built on that. And so what you do is you have to do this in every single topic and area of life. Just like forgiveness. You read, you're like, oh, forgiveness. You're like, oh, I'm so good with forgiveness. I remember there was a time in my life I did that. I was like, oh, I have no problem with forgiveness. Have you ever said that? Ooh, here comes the test and the trial and the storm, right? Because just when you say that, oh, I've got no problem with forgiveness. And then, then you go to the store and you see your frenemy. And it's your friend who's an enemy. Never mind. Um, and you literally dive behind the magazine rack. You know, looking, are they there? And the Holy Spirit comes and is like, how are we doing with that forgiveness? Your choice to forgive or not to forgive. And so the Holy Spirit comes with that rhema word to your heart. It's almost like God is speaking directly to you because you've read it in the scripture, the logos. He makes it rhema. He makes, he speaks the word to your heart and you're like, oh, this is your moment where you get to dig the foundation a little bit deeper or not. So you say, you know what, God? Whew. You forgave me of everything I did. You forgave me to the point where I get to go to heaven one day. What could anybody do to me that I wouldn't forgive them? So right now, God, I forgive them. I forgive them. Before you, God, I forgive them. I want my heart to be clean, and I want them to be able to be forgiven as well. Because you forgave me. Now what I did is I dug my foundation a little bit deeper. Deeper on the rock. And then as my skyscraper begins to build... The enemy comes with a wave, a tidal wave. And that tidal wave is betrayal. And he takes that bat and he's about to swing and knock your wind out. Because this betrayal is nothing like that little frenemy. This is betrayal on the next level that's going to pummel you. Because Satan goes, oh, they'll never recover from this bitterness and anger that I'm going to. They won't be able to let it go. This is going to take them out. 
But as the betrayal happens, you say, God, you forgave me of every single thing I ever did. And I get to be in eternity with Jesus forever. And I don't care what anybody does to me because I don't want them to go to hell either. So I forgive them, God. I release them right now. I absorb the wrong. And I stop what the enemy is trying to do. And now that tidal wave, as a weatherman would say, has dissipated into just some strong winds. <clears throat> because your foundation was built on the rock. <clears throat> oh, I like that. Oh, preach. No. That's usually me down front. I'm like, oh, somebody else is like, preach. I love it. That's usually me. All right, you know, and you know, when they were building the Burj Khalifa, we'll put that picture up again. You know, they ran all kinds of tests on it as it went higher. Tests were done for changes in pressure. The pressure changed as it rose. They, did, they had to run tests on it for the temperature because the temperature got so cold, the higher it went. They ran over 40 different wind tests on the building as it went up higher. These tests were used to pinpoint the weaknesses. See, as we grow and build and we get taller and taller, we make statements like this. Oh, that would never happen to me because I would never not trust God. <laughs> I would never think that of the Lord. No, no, I, my trust is rock solid in God. There is no way I would ever say those things about God or not trust him 100,000%. Then here comes the, the wind test and it hits you and you suddenly find yourself in your mind quietly questioning God. You're questioning his character and you look at it's like you step outside yourself and you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. How did this happen to me? How did I go from where I was to here? And suddenly the devil like jumps on that. He's like, yeah, score, you're down, I'm down. You're, yeah, you're nothing, you haven't built anything. But that's not true. You've actually built a skyscraper, you're just in one of the wind tests right now. And this moment is for you to go, whew, I didn't know I had a weakness still there. Wow, God, I didn't realize I didn't trust you. I thought I trusted you with my finances, but now that I just lost that deal and we're struggling, God, I didn't realize I didn't quite trust you. Whew. Time to dig a little deeper. I need to go back to laying my foundation in this area because I, I didn't realize, God. It's to pinpoint the weaknesses. See it for what it is as it comes. See the test and be like, don't get discouraged and beat yourself up. Look at it like, oh, this is the pressure test. And mm, I'm seeing a little crack in the armor right here. I need to dig a little deeper. I need to go back and lay that foundation in this area. You know, Solomon um, was the wisest man who ever lived. And you know, if the Bible says you were the wisest man that ever lived, you were like really legit the wisest man who ever lived. Um, and uh, Solomon wrote, he wrote the book of Proverbs, which is like tweet central. Like if you need Instagram quotes for days. Um, and then he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastics. Bit of a downer, that one. But then he recovers with Song of Solomon. Hey. It's the book that should not be read until you're married. There should be like a code. Like you should need, you have to like have a wedding ring to like unseal it, you know? Like seriously. 
But you know, God says to Solomon, stay away from the foreign ladies because they worship other gods and they're going to get you in trouble. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, God has to say, stay away from the ladies. But you're like, no, she's spiritual. She's good. I mean, she's not a Christian, but she's spiritual. Like, we're good. She's spiritual. Demons are spiritual. <laughs> what kind of spiritual, right? What kind of spiritual? And he, God warns Solomon, who's the wisest man in the world. And what does he do? Falls for the ladies who serve the false gods. And he falls. The wisest man wrote books inspired by God. Tweet Central. Falls for the ladies. Because you can be wise in many areas, but foolish in one. And sometimes people look at their lives and be like, why, why is God going to be so, so controlling and so telling me what to do with my life? Because he's actually looking ahead and he knows what's going to take you out. He says, if they don't deal with this issue of sleeping around, this is going to destroy their marriage one day because they're going to have a fight that he's going to fly to some town. Some girl's going to walk in on his business trip and he's going to destroy his whole marriage. And so right now, you're like, but why does he have to, why do I, can't I do what I want to do? I want to be happy. And God is like, no, because I'm looking at your life, and I need you to build your foundation now because there's a storm coming, and it will take you out. God is looking at your life and saying, the reason I, keep, I told you, put that money back when you took it out the till, but, but they don't need it as much as I do. I work in the store. I mean, I've seen the owners. They drive a Lexus. I, I, I need this money. They won't notice it. God is saying, uh-uh-uh-uh. Nobody's watching, but the stealing is important because one day I'm going to bless you financially. You're going to have an awesome job, but you're going to think that company doesn't need the excess money and you're going to steal it and spend the rest of your life in prison. That storm is going to take you out. God can see beyond what you can see. So he says here in this moment, build your foundation. Do what I tell you to do. Dig a little deeper. Follow what God is telling you to do. See, what God's got planned for you is the Bush Khalifa. Do you know that it says that up in heaven, God's got mansions waiting for us. So what do you think your life is supposed to look like here on earth? It is supposed to be a demonstration of who God is. When they built that, you think, why did they build that? Did they build it because they wanted to be the tallest building in the world? Mm-hmm. They wanted fame. Mm -hmm. They wanted to bring fame and glory to Dubai and people to travel from all over the world to see it. Uh-huh. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make you a demonstration for his kingdom that will draw people to him. See, because the kingdom of God is not just a message, but it's a manifestation. God doesn't just speak, he demonstrates. So your life should be a demonstration of the power and the majesty and the, uh, and the glory of God. It doesn't matter what he's called you to do. He doesn't build apartments. He builds mansions. So your life needs to look like a mansion. It needs to look like the Burj. It doesn't matter. Whatever area it is in your life, God wants to increase your influence. He wants to increase your finances. He wants to increase your prestige. He wants to increase these things. Why? People go, oh, it's a prosperity gospel. Yeah, there you got the wrong vision. The reason he does this is so that the greater influence you can have, so that you can lead people to him, so that you can show people, look, you can get out of debt. I did it. 
You can get healed. I'm healed. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. You can be everything God's created you to be. And if you could only see yourself the way God sees you, it would change your whole world. And it doesn't matter if you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old. Uh, what, what, what now? Moses was 80 when he started. 80. And he like parted the Red Sea for crying out loud. Like, don't put an age on God and say, oh, what, what is left for me, God? You don't know what God's still got for you. It's not too late to build your foundation deep and say, God, I want everything you've got for me. I want it all, God. I want to be that demonstration. See, because God wants to bring greater influence to you. He wants to be able to give you bigger reach, but he has to trust you. That when the enemy tries to come with the storm to take you out, you're not going to fall for the fame or the fortune or the ladies, okay? Or the men. Ladies, if you're men, you know what I'm saying. But you want to make sure that your foundation is strong so you can walk in everything God's got for you so that you can touch the people he's got for you. This is the moment. There's a lost and a hurting and a broken world all around you. You don't have to look far to encourage somebody on the phone. You just open your book and be like, oh, there's somebody today that I need to reach out and encourage. I need to reach out and touch. You know, Sandy in, in, in Hawaii, she's in our Bible college and she's in Hawaii and she sent me a testimony and she said, you know, I'm listening to the course. I finished listening to the course on the Holy Spirit and I picked up the phone to my friend or my sister-in-law, I'm thinking it's maybe her sister-in-law, and she said, you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the evidence of speaking in tongues because you're praying over your kids, but you need the power. Her friend's like, her sister, I think it's her sister-in-law, forgive me, Sandy, if I don't get the details. Sister-in-law, okay, thank you. And she's like, she's like, her sister's like, oh, okay. She's like, how do I do that? She's like, I'm coming over. <laughs> We're gonna do this right now. She just heard the, heard our teaching. This is what God offers. This is what's available. She's like, all right, let's pray. Boom. Baptism. Jesus baptizes her in the Holy Spirit. The girl gets hit. Power. Speaking in other tongues. She's feeling empowered. She knows how to pray over her kids. This changed. Just because of that. You heard it. Inspiration. Yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. Walk in it. Touch those people. I can't get to Hawaii. Oh, I mean, unless you want to send me. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. No. <laughs> Hey, vacation. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I can't. We can start a promise, Hawaii. Who wants to join their initial team? Yep, yep, yep. I feel called. I feel a calling, Jesus. Missionary trip. Here we go. On the beach, witnessing. Um, but you know, I can't get everywhere. I can't get to your business. I can't get to the unique place that God's got for you. There's people that are called to be in politics. There's people that are called to be in news media. There's people that are called to be professional athletes. There's people that are called and they just think this is just their job. No, it's positioned by God strategically to reach your people that only you can reach. So whatever you're doing, you open your eyes in the morning, you're like, oh God, what are we doing today? Who have you got for me to touch today? This is why it's so important for you to be able to look outwardly, to build your foundation deep on the word, on the solid rock of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand with me. I want you to take this time. We're going to just close your eyes. I want you to do what we talked about. This is, I want you to take a moment and I want you to meditate on what you just heard. Because while I was preaching to you, the Spirit of God was talking to you. That rhema word was hitting your heart and God was speaking to you. 
Maybe it's all, hey, this area, there's a weakness in it. This area that you're struggling in, yeah, that, that's, that's a wind test. And I need you to spend this week finding some scriptures and digging that foundation a little deeper. Maybe for some of you, it's just you, the realization that God wants you to be the Burj Khalifa. Something exquisite and beautiful for his kingdom that will draw people to you because of the light in you. So meditate right now. Speak to the Lord in your heart. Speak to him. Dream with him for a moment. Allow him to show you what he's got for you. Dream with him. The Bible says that his thoughts about you, his good thoughts about you are more than the grains of the sand on the earth. That's how many good thoughts he has about you. He has so many. You've put limits on what you think good looks like because of your family or what you came from or what society is telling you. But what God's got for you is mind-blowing. Allow yourself to dream with him. have my ministry team come forward if you're here and as I was preaching you're like I don't know if I know the Jesus you're talking about the way you're talking about him maybe you've been somewhere where they preached another Jesus another gospel maybe you just didn't realize that that Jesus could be this real that he's this involved in your life that he what he's got for you so that requires making him not just Savior of your life, but Lord of your life. Jesus is here. So if you raise your hand wherever you are, we're going to pray for you in your seat, wherever you are. It's not about me or it's not about who's watching. It's about saying to Jesus, God, I'm tired of doing this alone. I'm ready for you to be everything to me, to forgive me of my sins, to lay my past down once and for all, to follow you with everything I've got, God, because you are real. And I want that. I want that, Jesus. So if you mean business with Jesus, just raise your hand wherever you are. He's going to see it. He's going to hear it, and he's going to transform your life today. I see those hands. Thank you very much. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for raising your hand. It's the most important decision you've ever made in your life. Right now in heaven, the angel has opened up the book of life. And he began to write your name in the book of life. In the blood of Jesus. Because you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't earn heaven on your own. And you can't live this life on your own. It's all because of him. What a beautiful gift. What a beautiful gift. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when we're, we're done praying, I want you to come down front. If you want to be baptized in the power and the fire of God, 
that Jesus offered us when he left, then you need that baptism in the Holy Spirit. You get the evidence of speaking in tongues with it. And then if you need prayer for anything else, the prayer team is down front. I want you to come and get your miracle. Come and get your miracle. But if you raised your hand for salvation, I want you to say this prayer after me. Everybody can pray it as well if you want. But I want you who raised your hand to mean every single word. And I want you to look with your imagination into the face of Jesus as you say it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for taking my sin upon the cross, for every stripe you took that I could be healed. Forgive me, God. I give it all to you, all my life, God. From now until the day I die, I give it to you. Thank you for rising again from the dead, proving that you are the one true living God. I love you. And from today, I am your child. Help me, Jesus. Help me with everything I've got to do. Let others see your light shining through me. From today, I am a new creation. In Jesus' name. Now let's give some praise to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. If you want prayer for any of those things, if it's, if it's for the Holy Spirit, come down. If you raised your hand in that prayer, I would love for you to come down. We have a book for you. Just come and let one of my prayer team know. We have a, a book we'd like to give you to take home. It's important. We want to connect with you. So if that was you, come on and out of your seats. Come down and get a book. If you come in for the Holy Spirit or healing or whatever it is, we'll have the lights up. We'll have the uh, people come down now for prayer. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming out. We're going to see you Friday night as we celebrate our king right that's what it's gonna be awesome well anyway come on down we'd like to meet you come on down if you raise your hand thank you team